All right, episode 65, it's Thursday. The week has been nice, nice. Uh, Austin Grosier, Big Dipper, Amanda Scott, Solution Harbor, welcome to episode 65. Happy to be here, thank you. Hi there. I think we're talking cookie dough, but Austin, you're gonna tell us about that. Give us the story about the brand. Yeah, absolutely. So I had started uh, Big Dipper about five years ago now out of my mom's kitchen up in northern Michigan, where at the time I was not in food, I was not in CPG whatsoever. I had a, as a firefighter, I was an EMT, and basically was training my very first marathon, got the idea. People love to eat raw cookie dough. You're not supposed to because you get sick, and if people, you know, if we made a safety raw version, people love it. They pick it up. Over five years ago into 3,000 stores, you know, from my mom's kitchen, set in about 30 states as of now. Thanks, Mom. We really appreciate that. Royalty checks are in the mail. Um, with that said, uh, how did you take it from mom's kitchen into either a commercial kitchen or a co-packer? Give us that transition. And what period, what date was that? Was that early? Give us that frame. Yeah, so got the idea April of 2015. Next five months through September 2015, just A-B testing, different flour, sugars, vanillas, things like that. Uh, September 2015, got the final recipes done, pulled the trigger, launched the company. Uh, first, so the first two, three months, we were just making it out of our kitchen. Um, I don't know technically how, say, like how legit it was, but it worked. Right? We started selling cookie dough that way. Um, two or three months in, you know, our sales started to increase. She, you know, we're making a big mess in her kitchen. She basically told us to get out, right? So um, from there, we went to like a little shared kitchen. So like a lady basically, she had her own business and then running out of space kind of on the side. We did that for the first next six months or so. And then from there, we're very grateful that there's like a local food incubator that had a like individual, like little sweets you could get. <clears throat> Moved there for about a year or so. So September 2015 um, to probably like February of 2016 was at, at uh, the local um, independent kitchen. September of 2016, February 2016, excuse me, through probably April of 2017 uh, was at this incubator spot. And then we went to our own facility. We, we got into about a 2,000 square foot facility, only two or three months. And then like in, say, July of 2017, I um, made the switch to our very first co-packer. Nice. So a lot of moving around, and you can do that. And, you know, there's people who watch, and they're, ah, how do I, you know, transition from my own kitchen over to a commercial kitchen and the like. You just have to find out and figure it out and navigate yourself and make a phone call, get an email, walk into somebody's door, call a friend. Uh, you got to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, but you can figure it out, as Austin has proven. Um, so you're in a bunch of stores. That's cool. Give us that category. Where does uh, cookie dough sit uh, in, on the shelf? Uh, who are sort of, uh, you don't have to name competitors, but wh where again um, does it sit as far as a category? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously like your standard cookie dough, your standard bakeable cookie dough, this is fall within the cookie dough category, which is within the, the, the dairy set, the, the, the dairy area of the store. You know, so we, we pitch the dairy buyers. Um, this is more edible cookie dough. So our cookie dough is designed to be baked, designed to be eaten raw has more fallen into the specific niche of refrigerated desserts. So think of like refrigerated puddings, refrigerated jellos, things like that. That's where our product sits, that's where our product falls in. How about ingredients? Uh, for those that, that have maybe had it or have not at all, they could probably picture what cookie dough is, whether it's in, again, and let's break that down in a second. I'm gonna put it to the side as far as you can eat it raw, right? There's a term almost for that, or it has to be baked. Um, right. Give us the ingredient breakdown for your specific uh, uh, brand. 
Yes, yeah, so what really separates us, uh, say, from a regular bakeable cookie dough is we use no eggs and then a pasteurized flour. are making our product totally safe to eat raw. Um, but besides that, it's pretty much all your standard cookie dough ingredients, you know, butter, sugars, vanillas, um, obviously whatever kind of inclusions, whether that's chocolate chip, that's the cookies and cream piece, uh, cherries, peanut butter. Um, yeah, it's I mean, ultimately a pretty simple ingredient deck. It's a pretty simple manufacturing process. So it's an indulgence, right? Absolutely. Folks, you know I'm big on balanced nutrition, but I'm going to throw something at you right now. It's okay to have stuff like this. Um, and I, I'm not going to just put it in an indulgence category, cookies and ice cream, pizza, bur and the like. Uh, I'm an 85-15 rule. 85% of the time, eat balanced nutritional meals and snacks. Proteins, fats, carbohydrates, the good stuff. You know what they are. Uh, eat that with moderation, just like you would eat this other 15%, which I'm going to say right now, cookie dough, go for it. Just don't eat a whole pint of it, you know, come on. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry, sorry, no. uh, Austin, let's talk about the stores that you're in. Give us the first set of retail stores that you're in. Yeah, so like, I mean, the very first store I ever pitched, right, was just like the local grocery store. And ironically, is where we always went to go buy like the ingredients as we were kind of R&Ding it. And um, yeah, it's just Olson's, this a little local grocery store just down the street from us. And that was like, you know, always envisioned our product on the shelf. That was the very first store we pitched and we got in. I'm um, really kind of just expanded from there into like a lot of the small local retailers. So I come from a small town in northern Michigan. And then from there, like our first big retailer was Meyer. Um, obviously, Meyer being the big regional chain here in the Midwest. Um, so yeah, we met the Meyer buyers at a, at a local, uh, regional tra trade show. And then from there, you know, just, I mean, we started off in a couple of stores as a test, then eventually expanded chain-wide. That's really cool. And again, going back to the origin story about walking into a local grocery store. Yes, that is the approach too. So you could start at a farmer's market, hand-to-hand -hand transactions, feedback, lots of feedback. Do you like this? Why do you like it? Are you buying it? And then most importantly, are you buying it again? Then walk down to your local store. I still sell, and actually some people know this, I still sell to a local market that actually is in our neighborhood, um, and it's still the only store I hand walk in the product to still. Um, and that's what you can do. And there's probably like five of them in your own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, so do that uh, and get data, feedback, and the like, and then you can move into stuff that Austin's talking about, like a Myers. That's amazing. A great opportunity. Uh, but again, before you run, make sure you are uh, walking, as they say. Um, let's get into direct to consumer. Can there be a play and what does that look like for your particular product? Uh, there is, and I'm really just starting to get into that ourselves. Um, to be frank, like probably a huge mistake. I, I don't know anything about this industry starting. We just started off and just grew from there. But as you know, having refrigerator products, right? It's very expensive to ship. It's very expensive to, you can't do like FBA. Um, you know, it becomes very challenging to do any kind of direct to consumer business. Um, we finally have gotten our cost to the point. We and we finally just found a, a uh, fulfillment center in which we can actually, you know, make it work to be able to sell our products, you know, decently affordably online or reasonable enough online people want to buy. I'm at a price you can actually, you know, ha have a decent margin on. So it's something we're really just starting to expand in as a direct-to-consumer business. It's a great comment, and it's okay. Um, majority are in, in, uh, in your sort of boat as far as either just getting started or recognizing that it's not a big part of their business, and it needs to be. 
COVID was, was just one of those things that sort of pushed people to do the things that they may, may not have been doing before. Direct-to-consumer has to be a part of your CPG uh, brand. Um, and what you're dealing with as far as refrigeration and or frozen for, for instance, it's a whole different uh, 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 business and or obstacle that you need to be dealing with. So um, nobody's, nobody's going to be like, oh, I can't believe that. No, in, fa in fact, you're saying something that's really important. It's just shedding light on what many people are facing today. And it's a, it's a good point and a value add. Um, what does the business look like now? We're in November 2020, sort of break down um, the, the uh, not just retailers, but even just your team. Is it just yourself? Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as of right now, we have uh, six employees and then one intern. Um, so eight of us in total, if you count myself. Um, we're all remote. You know, we were remote before it was cool with COVID, right? So I've always wanted to build a business where I can work from anywhere. And so there's actually, I live in Florida right now, but I'm from Michigan. I'm home for a couple of days. Um, so yeah, I have employees kind of spread all over the country. In fact, had a had one of our employees overseas for a while. He got stuck in China during COVID. But um, yeah, so we have six employees, one intern, myself makes eight people, um, you know, spread out between sales and marketing, um, operations. We have two folks in operations, three folks in marketing, um, one person in sales, then one, uh, one graphic designer. Nice. That's a great, um, that's a great layout. And that, that is, uh, that's the right way to play, you know, as far as uh, people on the field, right, as I, as I like to say. Um, and you can have a small, tight uh, team. Uh, everybody plays their part uh, and does it really well. Um, and if, if that, you know, if everybody's working together, you can really grow, um, you know, into a big business. People oftentimes think like, oh, I've got to have, you know, 50 employees. You don't. Um, you just need really great, great team members and everybody playing those important pieces um, uh, of the business to make it to make it grow. So um, as far as uh, capital raising, um, you can talk specifically if you want to dollar amounts, but what does that look like from its infancy to where it is now? Do you have to raise um, throughout these last five years? And if so, sort of when were they? Yeah. So, I mean, I started working full time when I was 14. I started Big Dipper when I was 19. So I had five years of savings, you know, banked up when I first started the business. Um, and then the first two years, I just bootstrapped the company. So like I was working two full-time jobs. I was working days fixing appliances like washers and dryers and things like that. Then nights as a firefighter EMT. Um, two years in, I left the fire service to just do the day job in the business. Um, and then, so that was like, say the fall of 2017, left the fire department just to focus on my day job in the business. Uh, fall of 2018, I left my day job as well. So went full-time in the business. Um, at that point, I moved from northern Michigan down to Chicago, down to a much bigger area. Um, we did raise some capital at that point. I hadn't done any capital raise say, prior to that. Um, there was some capital from Three Angels um, based out of LA. And then they're the only three investors in the business. Um, they have invested some additional funds from that, that initial, um, that, that, that initial uh, um, investment. But yeah, we just kept it, you know, kept it pretty small. We've kept it very lean. We haven't want to raise more capital than we need to. I know like a lot of times in this industry, it's raise a ton of cash, you know, grow as big as you can, as quick as you can. So we've kind of taken more of a calculated, you know, um, we don't want to be selling products, losing money on. We want to be making sure we're building a good, sustainable company with good margins off the bat. And so we've been, you know, very, um, and frankly too, if I'd raised money five years ago, we probably had a business because I was just blown it. I know what the hell I was doing. You know, it's just like, I've had to learn that over time. And um, so yeah, I feel we've done it in a very, um, you know, not necessarily, intentionally intentionally strategic but definitely strategic way rewind that part folks <laughs> there's a lot of misconceptions in cpg 
Um, and Austin is saying really important things. The, the first part was about how you were working while you were building the initial parts of the business, right? The initial phases of the business. That's awesome. Um, that's the first time I think out of the 65 episodes that has been that detailed as far as you had two jobs, started this thing, then you kind of went down to one job and then you finally made the transition, but you made the transition full time almost three years in, three years in. And as far as your commentary about raising capital, you are correct. It's just not talked about openly enough, but people who know me, they know I like to, I like to say it. Yeah. Um, the headlines of the big raises um, aren't what they necessarily are. Like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Raise $6 million. You don't even know what, you don't even know the details of what's going on inside the business. Losing yeah. cash, left over right. Um, they may or may not have a, a plan to profitability or, or you know, so there's, there's a lot to be said and there are multiple ways to build a business. I'm not saying raising is bad. In fact, it could be absolutely amazing and needed and required to build on top of a business that is showing its current successes. But then there's the other way, the other side, which is bootstrapping and building a profitable, sustainable platform that can go on its own with or without massive amounts of capital raising ahead of itself. So that's just the recap there. Well said, Austin. Um, let's close this one up for you and Big Dipper, love the name by the way. Uh, what does the business look like 12 months from now? Yes, yeah, so, so let's start to pursue into direct to consumer. Um, to be frank, I, I kind of, I would love to say that I, I predicted the rise of edible cookie dough. Honestly, I kind of walked into it. Um, just happened to kind of catch the wave as we rode up. So definitely ridden the wave. Um, we're really starting to innovate. We have four or five product lines we say are ready to launch. And I can launch all of them. We're going to pick one or two, but we have a lot more innovation that we're, what we say, have the cash. And, and so we're going to be very, you know, uh, we'll be very selective in regards to what we launch. But expanding past this edible cookie dough and some other product lines, then really begin to grow a direct-to-consumer business as well. Great job. Great job, Austin. Uh, his info will be there. We're going to move over to Amanda Scott, Solution Harbor. I think we're talking recruiting. It could be specific to CPG, but you're going to give us that. Uh, give us what the, uh, what the platform is all about at Solution Harbor and what you're doing. Sure. I'm going to have to be sure to get some cookies after this. Too. <laughs> all this you, better, you better be hooking it. No, I'm going to buy them. <laughs> Don't worry. We purchase around here. Uh, yeah. so I'll, 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 I'll get some. We'll figure it out. Go ahead. So thank you so much, Mark. Uh, yes, Solution Harbor is an executive recruiting group and we combine our 20 years of collected recruiting experience to help business owners like Austin when they need to hire uh, key employees, whether it's a general manager, director of operations, VP of finance, VP of HR, CFO. Um, we focus in the G the CPG space. We love working with consumer products and it's just really exciting for us as a firm to work with people like Austin as they grow their product uh, to a company. You know, you're turning it to a brand and not just a product made out of your mother's kitchen. Um, but of course that takes scaling in whatever capacity that is, whether you're coordinating with a co-packer or you're manufacturing the products yourself. 
And so we offer a really consultative approach. We really work with the CEO owner operator to create a clear picture of what type of employee they need to hire. We put together the framework for the interview process, and then we go out and we search to the ends of the earth to find the best possible candidates that exist for that job. Um, we really love what we do in our combined 20 years of recruiting experience. We've never had to utilize our replacement guarantee, which I know a lot of recruiters and I don't know any other recruiters that can say that. So we're really passionate about CPG. We're really passionate about helping companies hire the right key employees to either change or continue to grow their CPG companies. Very cool. If you need somebody, the right person, Check out Amanda, she'll help you. Uh, Amanda's info, Austin's info is there. Subscribe to the channel, let's make that happen. You both have an amazing rest of the week. Peace. Thanks, Mark.